Alright, um... Hi guys. Welcome back to Fres- uh, <laughs> I almost said welcome back to Fresno Land. Oh my god. <laughs> um, welcome back to- Guys, this is the- <laughs> To 5 by 5 9 the podcast. It's not a pod. It's a mess. That's what it is. <laughs> the mess. The man, the mess, the legend. Five by five nine. Um, we have a really special guest. Um, this is our third attempt at recording because this. Uh, it got everything's just a mess. Guys, it's 2020. Everything sucks. Uh yeah. Hello. <laughs> it's 2020. Our podcasts don't have to make sense. Yeah. In 2020. Welcome, um, Donnie Bergstrom, to the podcast for the third and final time. <laughs> this will be it. This is the take. Um, we apologize. <laughs> And and, uh, and and Ms. Bergstrom is the founder of the nonprofit Fresno Land and also the director and policy editor of the Fresno Land Lab in association with the Fresno Bee. Um, yeah. And I, I guess, uh, you know, you don't have to say how you are for a third time, but you can if you want. How are you? Uh, I'm, you know, it's been a rough week, as we already talked about. <laughs> yeah, it is a rough week. It's so rough that we are. So this is like the perfect way of capping off a rough week. It is. It's just like mm -hmm. I'm gonna get on this disaster of a podcast. <laughs> Everything that will happen uh, that was like gonna go wrong did go wrong because I was like, oh wait, this is this is just 2020, guys. But yeah, uh, but yeah, we wanted to ask you about. Well, I'm just personally curious why I wanted you on the podcast. Is like because you started Fresno Land in 2018, uh, and you know, uh, I just wanted you to. I just wanted to ask like what motivated you to create it yeah. at that time and yeah. you know just go on to the full backstory yeah, where i'm in very interested to hear about it okay so i'm sorry that you guys have to hear this twice or at least part no, of it. no no i know um so so i'm not a journalist by training i'm an urban planner um and i'm from i'm from the fresno area but uh left in 2008 to go to grad school on the east coast and um didn't think I would come back to Fresno for a variety of reasons. Landed in Oakland, worked at a um, at a nonprofit research and advocacy organization that worked on a lot of social equity and racial equity issues, um, and just felt really dissatisfied um, in the sense that I you know I'm from Fresno, wasn't really working on Fresno-based issues, didn't really feel like uh, as a 27-year-old you know, white girl urban planner that I had mm -hmm. like the authority to speak on a lot of the issues that I was and traveling and doing and that sort of thing. So um moved back to Fresno in 2014, 2013, and mm -hmm. um, took a few different jobs. I worked back at the city again, um, and then I worked at the Central Valley Community Foundation on local policy issues, but always just felt like, um, you know, being working in local government, you of course see how how the system works. You see how politics operate. You see how developers kind of make their way and get you know get different proposals through the system. And um, even though there are different systems set up for people to you know quote unquote engage in the process of policy making and deciding how their neighborhood should function and how buildings should or shouldn't get built in their neighborhood and 
you know, how the future growth of the city should happen. It's, it was just, you know, everyone in the planning and policy world speaks their own language. Mm -hmm. And so many times I just felt like, okay, if we really wanted people to understand what was happening, we wouldn't hold a public hearing framed in all of these, like, you know, acronyms and archaic language. Like we would just explain very plainly, like, this is what this decision means if you care about having a park in your neighborhood, or this is what this decision means if you care about, you know, making sure that there's affordable housing. And, um, yeah. So it's just not like the, the, the field is not designed to like make it accessible. And I felt like there needed to be an organization in Fresno that helped bridge between policy and normal people. And because I'm a planner and I'm not a journalist, I didn't think my, my brain didn't go to journalism because a lot of the journalism I had been exposed to over the years locally was like kind of politics journalism and, um, you know, a lot of writing about, well, this politician said this, and then this politician said this, and, you know, that type of journalism doesn't necessarily help a person understand, okay, but what is actually being decided and how does it affect my daily life? It, you just know that these two politicians are fighting over this thing. And, and so I started Fatherland kind of thinking it was going to be more of like a policy lab and we would do research on local policy issues and then we would partner with um, storytellers and different, you know, journalists to help tell the stories. And, and so I, you know, my first seed funding was for this report to help understand where is our water going to come from in the future to support all of the growth that's happening in the central San Joaquin Valley. And um, along the way, I met uh, this guy um, who um, kind of, you know, he, he worked in journalism, he lives in the Bay Area, and he um, had a relationship with the McClatchy Papers and the Fresno Bee, um, and was kind of helping them figure out, like, their philanthropic strategy and how they're going to expand these labs that are now kind of popping up, not just in Fresno, but in other McClatchy-owned papers. And he was like, you know, you really should talk to the Fresno Bee, they're really interested in this whole concept of labs and, like, doing more in-depth not breaking news coverage and, you know, yes, you're not a journalist, but you care about making sure people understand policy and journalism is definitely a way that you can do that. And so from there, you know, I met with, with Joe Kida at the B and we just kept having conversations and trying to figure out how it worked. And here we are. And um, yeah, it took a while to fundraise, you know, we had to raise enough money to support three new positions and then, you know, myself. And, um, and so that took time, but I'm really excited to get lift. And, um, you know, now for, for people listening that don't know what we do, you know, we're really focused on, um, on news coverage at the B that tells stories that are sort of at the intersection of housing and development and water and neighborhood inequality. And, um, you know, we're not a breaking news lab, so we get to go deeper and I would say that, you know, our team has an interest both in engagement journalism and doing stories that really find ways of asking our readers what they actually want to hear, what information is the most useful to them, and making sure that we're responding to those information needs. And then, you know, there's definitely an accountability and investigative thread to the work that we do, too. Um, 
And then, of course, policy explainers are something that I'm really um, passionate about, and I hope that we continue to be able to do some of those at the lab. So that's that. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. That was that was a very like nuanced answer, and we we love that. We feel like we got a lot, and I feel like we resonate a lot with that because that's also what we're trying to do at five by five nine because we've also noticed that a lot of journalism is really and a lot of like information in general is really weighed down by difficult terminology um complex minutiae and things like that and we really uh sought to sort of make this stuff more accessible and so we've been really interested in the work you guys do because like you said you kind of delve deep and such because uh, you're not a breaking news lab you're able to go deeper into these issues yeah, I'm really excited excited to see where you guys go with this. I feel like there's such a, a need in the Valley for, and a lot of demand for what the different types of, of journalism and a different approach to thinking about how to engage people on these issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, we said this in the lost takes of this podcast where <laughs> I was jealous of uh, the name Fresno Land because uh, when I found out about Fresno Land, I was like, oh, wait. Because like, I've been trying to find a name for five by five nine for so long before I <laughs> happen upon five by, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of Fresno Land? That's like so simple. But yours actually makes more sense because you guys focus more on like you know land issues, policy issues. Mm -hmm. So it's like a perfect name for what you guys do. Mm -hmm. And also, you have good yeah. color color choice for the logo. <laughs> I was like orange, orange. You know, we're not related, yeah. by the way, but you know, we're friends. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But, no, Fresno Land, um, because it started as a as like more of a a policy lab, um, you know, a lot of policy labs are like named the Institute for blah 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 or the Center yeah, for, mm -hmm. you know, Fresno Studies. And I was just like, I cannot have another name like that. Like no, yeah. that cannot exist <laughs> in Fresno. Um yeah. and uh I was just really jealous that I have some friends that live in in Chicago. And I don't know if you know, but in Chicago, they call themselves, like the region, they call themselves Chicagoland. And mm -hmm. it's like very much a part of the regional identity. And I felt like yeah. in building Fresno Land, I, I was just jealous. Like, why can't we have a fun nickname for our region? Um, right. And also, like, I feel like um, what, you know, I was listening to a podcast yesterday that was kind of talking about this in the context of, you know, what, what the role of local news is. And I do feel like, like, I'm trying to also rebuild an identity. You know, local news is very much part of the local psyche and the stories mm -hmm. that are told and the people that are featured in the stories and the sources that, that we use, like all of that contributes to this like shared collective identity of who we are. Yeah. And yeah, so I felt like Frozen Land was a better name to kind of capture that. Ethos. No, exactly. Because like, I want, I mean, that's kind of like, how I see it too, just like, well, you know, they have Chicagoland, for example, like, why can't we have that? And then we could just like, well, I guess we could just make it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to make it. And I'm like, wait, yeah. why can't I just do it? Yeah. And I think, and this kind of echoes through, I feel like every other guest that we've had where we're just like, why can't we just, you know, no one's like Dari said in our last, like, no one's going to come, come here to fix Fresno for us. We just have mm -hmm. to do it ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's why, I, you know, I, we've actually featured a lot of your stories like of Fresno Land reporters 
uh, on the newsletter because like, you know, because uh, a lot of people, I feel like, yeah, like you said, like if they, if, I, and I think you said, I don't know if you said it in this take, but like, we kind of feel naive that if, if people knew about it, like they would actually act on this information. Totally. And I do fully believe that, like that is the reason why I even do the newsletter. It's like, if people just know this stuff and it's explained in a very easy and just you know just an easy way that they mm-hmm. would they would you know be more active in the community because totally. even before i started getting really involved in local stuff uh, well one once i did i was like this is actually very exciting and i feel like i'm part of a community <laughs> yeah. like, i'm trying to convince other people like this is like fun stuff like i mean it's fun you know you get a sense of community but also this affects you <laughs> like you live here like all right. this issue is not like some far away uh stuff that you usually hear in the news like this is like like your immediate vicinity is affected by the stuff that we kind of all talk about totally yeah and and in fresno you know unlike so many other places local uh, officials are like i mean you see them or you can't well i guess pre-pandemic everyone was fairly accessible and even though and like even on twitter you know most of the city council members and board of supervisors will like engage in conversation um (laughs) for better or for worse for better or for worse um (laughs) for better or for worse that's for sure um and like that is that feels really unique about fresno to me is is the relative accessibility but you do well, it's like it, on the one hand, there is this like relative accessibility, but at the same time, if you want to actually influence a decision, that is a level of accessibility that, in my mind, doesn't exist for many people. And there's still just a lot of and and politicians and you know people who work in in local government can kind of hide behind um, these like really archaic processes. And, you know, and I can say that because I've worked in it. I know how these processes, they work, work, and I know how easily it is to just say, well, if you want, you know, more affordable housing in your neighborhood, you have to jump through these, you know, 10 different steps and learn these 10 different planning processes and, you know, attend five different meetings that HUD has set up. And it's, it's just set up for people to burn out. And a lot of people do burn out because they're like, you know, I'm tired of being asked to go to yet another community meeting to tell people what I want in my community. Like I've already said what I want. Just mm-hmm. make, Just it, make it. it happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've I've kind of felt that a little bit as I went to more. Uh, I guess uh, it's good that actually I think the pandemic kind of actually is better because like all these meetings were on Zoom now and it's a lot easier yeah. to get it to to like get involved. And I don't know how we're going to move forward after the pandemic, uh, if this is going to continue or like the level of accessibility. But I've been to probably the most like city council meetings I've ever been to. Really? Ever, ever. Because of how it was like, oh, it's on Zoom. I'll just get on Zoom. And, uh, you know, I I didn't realize how like this is my first time like seeing the local process, like local process in action. I was like, oh, this is mm. a city council meeting. Uh, I didn't. Re- I mean, I guess that's how it was. Like, you, they just did it in the room. But yeah, I think the pandemic was kind of good in a way that, like, I was like, oh, so this is like what is happening right now. 
like yeah. these people make the decisions i was like okay <laughs> like what are they doing why is Bredfield insane <laughs> why do you have an insane council member on the council noted noted fan yeah, of five by five nine um a noted fan who i swear i made like a joke headline or i mean I, I forget what i said i was like my favorite i mean i said my favorite uh council member he is my favorite all the wrong reasons like not his policies <laughs> all the wrong reasons or he retweeted it and we're, this is like where the accessibility of like our politicians are like he retweeted it saying like good summary and i'm like i, I really? openly make i openly make fun yeah, of you in it's the newsletter. clear that maybe an intern like saw the headline and retweeted it or maybe he just like no he has but no he didn't intern, read it because if he did it's yeah he, didn't, he definitely didn't read it oh yeah that's it, interesting he didn't read it but he retweeted it and then i got some weirdos on my twitter for a bit i was like oh really mm. yeah i mean there's always a lot of weird like local twitter weirdos yeah, Fresno um, Twitter is a weird place. A yes, weird place. I guess I guess yes. that's a good question. Uh, How has Fresno Land some... been um, received by by the people you know who are reading it, seeing it? Uh, yeah, no, I think it's been. I wasn't sure what the reception was going to be. Um, yeah, you just never know when you launch, and I think it's been it's been received pretty well and a lot better than I thought it was. And, um, you know, stories that, well, first of all, we launched in the middle of the pandemic and that just like threw everything off. And so, um, I wasn't planning on writing about a pandemic or coronavirus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) certainly it's not my area of expertise, Uh, right. And, you know, I, I, I don't feel super comfortable writing about, you know, public health issues because it's not my area of expertise, but, um, you know, it was sort of like when it happened, it was all hands on deck. And so we did that. I started kind of focusing my coverage in the beginning, um, on just how a lot, you know, renters have been so impacted, of course, Mm -hmm. by the unemployment that's caused by the shutdowns. And, you know, so I was covering a lot of the, um, news around eviction moratoriums, if local governments were going to adopt emergency rent um, funds and how that could be a potential solution to keep people in their homes and not getting evicted during a pandemic. And um, and I think like there's just so many people in Fresno who have some level of housing instability for whatever reason. And so a lot of that coverage got received really well because it's just so needed. And I think whenever our coverage is really just focused on like high utility news, it gets mm-hmm. received really well. Um, and um, even the stories like, so Monica, who's our water and development reporter, mm-hmm. who's really great. Um, when she first started, she started launching in on some water quality stories in early Mart, which is a small community in Tulare County, if you're not familiar with it and you know the kind of I would say traditional view from a place like the bee who yes Tulare County is technically in the bees or not technically it is in the bees you know coverage area mm-hmm. but the bee doesn't cover Tulare County very often um you know Visalia Times Delta is down there and we're just much more of a pheasant-centric paper for a variety of reasons and so we were yeah. worried about audience, how many people are going to read these stories about what's happening in this town of 10,000 people. And 
the audience was really big for the stories that we did in early March, and there was a huge demand for people because it is crazy that in the year 2020 we still have i mean early mart is just one of many many yeah. many communities up and down the valley that have really inconsistent access to clean water drinking water so i think by focusing on on really tangible like more tangible stories that are just like really basic problems that people have that has been a good way i think for us to roll out i being like a policy person i love like here's how this super random you know tax sharing agreement that's between Fresno city and county is going to impact all these things like people were like that's probably not a story to write because you're not going to get a lot of audience and it doesn't get that much audience but i still feel like we have to put it out there because it's, it's important information for people to understand what's happening in local government yeah it's always like a balance between uh just like what audiences like react to positively and also like important things that they might not want to know but like should probably know yeah and you know there's always just that um like i don't know i, I you probably like since being not being a journalist you probably or like not having that background you'll probably you've encountered that in your work where it's like i don't know how they do it in the b but i've always had this argument with actually this man that is <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had many Same. arguments with Dipna about like journalism's role and like you know what should we just keep feeding the people what they that they click on or should we just you know give this information that's important to them but yeah. might not necessarily get the clicks that as a for-profit business we you know the B would want you know and right. that's always been like the the struggle in like local news right because like yeah. a value of oh i'm sorry go ahead because no, no, like no, a, a value of like news journalism is like basically um timeliness and like the thing that's happening right now but for so many of the problems that you guys right. cover like uh, for example water access i was reading the one about um fermine madera like a well doesn't dry up suddenly one day. Like these are like deep systemic problems that are like long lasting over the course of years. Right. So like the argument I feel like is very much, well, you know, that's interesting, but we're really trying to cover, you know, the carjacking that happened today, you know, and has that been like difficult to navigate? Right. You know, it hasn't, but for a really specific reason, um, mainly that our, you know, we're funded through philanthropy, through private philanthropy. And so um, we don't answer to the same, um, you know, we're not funded through the advertising and the subscription side of the mm -hmm. Yeah. And so a, we have a lot more room to tell stories that we think will have impact over stories that we think will get clicks. Um, but that being said, um, like you the philanthropy is always a seed fund. Like it's never yeah. a long-term strategy. You know, it, it will exist for a few years and then they, you know, as this happens in any, you know, nonprofit, they will pick up and say, okay, what's your, what's your strategy for long-term sustainability? We're going to pick up and we're going to move on. And so I think what we're trying to do is find the sweet spot of what's a story that has great impacts on you know local policy issues especially those that are impacting you know some of the most vulnerable communities in the valley but also gets a lot of audience 
and especially mm-hmm. audience. Um, I mean, there's audience that you can measure by clicks and, you know, subscri- subscription conversion rates. But also we're trying to think about audience building in terms of how are we bringing more young people and people of color who have not traditionally been B subscribers or B, you know, readers in the past, how can we bring them into the fold in a way that they haven't before? And Diana, who's our engagement reporter, that's sort of a big part of her mandate is thinking about that. Of course, all of us are thinking about it, but it's her primary job responsibility. So that's mm-hmm. another way that we think about audience. Um, and then I would say finally, um, you know, how I would say another sweet spot that we're trying to hit is how can we have impact, but then also just impact, give people the information that they actually need. And so an example of that is um, Monica is, she, you know, she did that story on Fairmead that you were talking about, Tommy, and she put out a survey right before I think she ran that story for people just to say, hey, if you like if you rely on a private well as your source of drinking water, like we want to hear your concern. And so far, she's gotten like 50 responses back from her survey, all sorts of people saying, you know, I haven't been able to drink water out of my well in three years. Oh, wow. um, I, I've thought about committing oh, suicide because I don't know how to get help for people drink because I can't drink out of my well. Like really, really crazy stories are coming back. And, you know, part of the, our job as a local newspaper, as opposed to like, you know, the LA Times, the New York Times, is we want to write for these the people that mm-hmm. are struggling. And so instead of writing a story that's kind of like, you know, 10,000 feet up and all these people in the valley are having their wells go dry and, you know, this is the policy that's contributed to that. Like, oh, that's important information and maybe we'll do an accountability story that focuses on that. But then it's also just how do we write stories that clearly and directly answer people's questions mm-hmm. about where do I immediately get emergency assistance where can I get free bottled water? How can I get my water tested without cost or at low cost? And like making sure that we're also putting out a lot of stories around that. Yeah, I think that just highlights like the, I mean, this has just been a trend in like local news, like the news deserts. And I'm glad that you guys exist to cover, you know, like communities like Early Mart that don't have mm-hmm. a paper that used, they might have had one before, but like that's just like a, like the coverage of local news is just, just shrinking. Like some, like some communities just don't have a paper and just, they just don't know what's going on in the community. Like they don't know that that's especially happening. because of funding yeah. and um, how difficult it is to keep local papers afloat nowadays. So um, oh, someone like you guys totally. who, like you said, are funded by philanthropy, <laughs> um, even though you are in partnership with a local paper, like um, you don't have the same concerns and can do things that other papers can't do. And personally, I think like labs are like the future of journalism in general. So we're like really excited to see how it works out. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We'll see how it goes. It's definitely a yeah. an experiment. <laughs> no, it's good. So we need more. more experiment. I was just like telling Dipna this, like, Dipna, we need to experiment. And honestly, I can go on and on about like, uh, like the, the future or fu- the funding the business funding of like journalism or just like getting information to people because <laughs> that's really all i think about ever since like 2018 or 2017 and that's partly why i started five buys to you know take put my hand in that like experiment you know 
Because it's just like yeah. Fred so, Ryan's experiment, you know, yeah. So do you, do you feel, I mean, I'm assuming that you guys are possibly going to go like the local subscription route or donation route or like, what do you think Ooh. would make sense? This is honestly, at this point, it's just going to probably be a Patreon type stuff. Cause you know, you spark Valley exists also within mm-hmm. Fresno, but, uh, uh, at this point, we're just building an audience. We're, uh, we're seeding, like you would say. We're seeding right now. We're seeding. Yeah. But, but no, I was, I don't know, probably get grants. But like, I've, I, I, like, I got obsessed with like the business of journalism. Because like once I was in, like, in a state, I realized, why is journalism shrinking? Why is like the paper, like the B is shrinking? And then I realized it's just like, the business side of it just never caught up to like the modern age or mm-hmm. like like the subscription model or I mean like the adapting to the new to the to the internet. It never mm-hmm. did that. They they just they just kind of like put the regular or what they did on the newspaper and then they just kind of transferred it onto <clears throat> a web page and that just mm-hmm. didn't translate well. Right. Especially with like how people get their stuff for free and you know i subscribe to like neiman labs like that just talk about like what people right. are trying out and stuff yeah so i mean there's just a lot i i kind of am afraid like because you guys are funded by philanthropy like you know not like grants problem and stuff like that right yeah and i i am worried that like i feel like there's just not enough philanthropy money to like fund everything that's happening around like because like Ideally, we would have like a friend's land every in every community, you know, yeah. just like in every place. But like, I guess like the whole thing about it now is like trying to find a model that works that you could replicate in any community that yeah. could be like self-sustaining. But I, I don't know. Nobody's ever found it yet. So I'm just like, well, we just got to try, I guess. Let's just go. I know. And, you know, like um, in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, it doesn't like considering as much as um you know our our labs like full transparency our labs operating budget per year is like a little over three hundred thousand dollars a year so that's not i mean that's definitely a lot of money but in the grand scheme of things it's not like a huge sum of money and if you i do feel like there is locally i mean yes there are people that still pay for subscriptions to the b and i'm i've been really interested to watch sergio's approach with use bark and the and the patreon model because i think that's interesting too and mm-hmm. i do feel like there's this untapped um group of people locally that just care about having i mean journalism is like a huge pillar of accountability and mm-hmm. um you know contributes to our collective identity and like people want it to exist for its sake and may pay more than you know ten dollars a month or twelve dollars a month for that and um i think that there's still some testing of of local you know business models that you know we haven't tapped out yet so i'm yeah i remain like cautiously Mm -hmm. optimistic oh yeah yeah no i that's like part of why I'm like driven to even continue doing this stuff. It's just like, hmm, what do people like? And, but also like at the same time, like, you know, I just want to, 
and I'm never going into it like for profit. Like my idea is just like I just want to not die. <laughs> yeah. I just want to do it and like be contributing to society, to, yeah. to my local local community. Like I'm not here to be like to be rich. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be rich, you know. But it's just like how do we support this thing for people? And like you know, like how do we support the bee? Like how do we do that? Like because like I don't know. It's just something's not working. But you know, stuff like the present land and uh like those stories i think uh actually that, that actually matter i mean not that a lot of it doesn't matter but i think it's just like a, a branding thing i don't know but i don't want to get, get off tangent because i can just rant about it so long <laughs> and just like it, it, yeah i might i, I did want to ask you since well, your background is in urban development um what to you is like the like the big issue in fresno as far as like urban development like goes like what could what do we need to do um yeah um i would say just as a macro issue um unfettered development on the fringe of the region is it is and continues to be a huge problem in the fresno area and um and it's a problem for a lot of reasons um I would say the biggest problem is that every single subdivision that we annex on, whether it's the fringe of Fresno or in Clovis or in Madera County or in Sanger, it adds cost that everyone has to share to pay for it. So every time we build a new road, every time we build a new freeway, every time we build a new park, that's all part of our collective cost burden that is existing residents we're going to all have to find ways of maintaining all of that new infrastructure that we bring into the city. And Fresno just, you know, for decades has allowed all of this growth to happen and has not focused the growth in places that, uh, and in neighborhoods that still have not been built out. And so you have, you know, in Southwest Fresno, there's actually a ton of capacity for new growth and development um, that would, if it was, if the development went there, would then bring new parks and new schools and upgraded roads and upgraded transit infrastructure into Southwest Fresno where people already live, instead of putting all of that out on the west side or in Southeast Fresno, way, you know, way out of Southeast Fresno, not in within existing city limits. So it just really stretches our ability to provide services. So when everyone says, well, why do we have, you know, really crappy parks in South Fresno. Why do why does my road not get paved for 50 years? Why do I not have sidewalks? It all comes back to this issue of allowing the city to grow and grow and grow without having the means to pay for all of that new growth. Yeah, so it's that's that sprawl, right? That is it's sprawl. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like the thing about Fresno is that, I don't know, when I went to, I guess if I look at every other city it's just like there's no density in fresno it's just like it's just like all wide just we get keep going mm -hmm. we all just keep going out and out and we just why is that actually why do we just have this obsession just like of going outside growing like why do we want to sprawl out like what was well, the reasoning for it there's a lot of reasons um one is we don't have any physical constraints unlike a lot oh, of that's true a lot, uh, yeah, the barrier has a lot of physical constraints that literally make it very difficult to grow outwards. Uh -huh. And, you know, farmland is relatively cheap for 
a developer to buy and convert into subdivisions. Um, the other, I would say, big contributing factor is that um, we have a very racially segregated and, and economically segregated city and region. Mm-hmm. And I mean, developers will basically tell you to your face that they will not build in Fresno Unified. Just they oh, wow. won't. And why won't they build in Fresno Unified? I haven't gotten anyone on the record to tell me exactly why they won't, but um, I think we could probably come up with a few reasons why people <laughs> might choose not to. Yep. Um, and, you know, like a lot of, I mean, I have had developers tell me, well, I can make a lot more money if I build in Clovis Unified than if I build oh. in Fresno or Central Unified. And so, well, why can they build in Fresno Uni- or Clovis Unified, but why can they make money there uh, because mm-hmm. of segregation? So Mm -hmm. that is a huge, I would say, contributing factor. And then I think the last thing is that um, we've just kind of bought and sold this narrative locally that suburban development is economic growth. And every Mm -hmm. time a new subdivision gets built, every time um, a new city gets you know, constructed, all of the politicians line up to cut the ribbons and they're like, yay, this is progress. Like, this is what it looks like to have an economically progressive city or region. And that, that growth literally does nothing to support people who live in poverty, to support people who Mm -hmm. are, you know, have low wages in their jobs. Like it, it's completely disconnected. And in, in a lot of cases, perpetuate the existing patterns that we have of concentrated poverty. So there you have it. There you have it. <laughs> there we go, guys. Just got to solve that stuff. Well, yeah, no, I, it's just like I never thought about it until like, I don't know, when I went away and like I went to like Europe for like a vacation. I was like, why is Fresno built? Like, it is kind of weird. Like I was in Madrid and I was like, why am I thinking of Fresno? I'm like, <laughs> it's like, why can't Fresno be like the city? And then I realized like, oh, it's like the, the how the city was designed. It was just not built for something like that. Or like, but you know, just... like a, I like in the same way, you know, LA has hit its limits. The city of LA, mm-hmm. not the region. Um, and LA is finding ways to grow inward. There are good and bad things, of course, about growing inward. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, with the growth, in some cases, comes possible displacement and gentrification, and you have to worry about mm-hmm. about all of those concerns. But it is possible to do it, and so I feel like Fresno could be in a lot of ways retrofitted for more density and for you know that type of environment but you have to want it at like a political level and yeah. that's just that that hasn't been i think conveyed enough to our local mm. elected officials so 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 you yeah. think by doing the work that you do and informing people that that um interest in in sort of changing the city could be seeded a little bit and trickle upward I think it's not, I don't think we're trying to investigate interest in changing the city. I think the interest is there. And I think people, at least from, in my experience, and please like correct me if you think I'm wrong. Um, a lot of people want to see investment in South Fresno neighborhoods. A lot of people want to see, you know, parks in their neighborhood and, you know, bike lanes and more affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what, 
I would like to do at Fresno Land is help people understand why those things have not happened and what it could look like or what it might take to allow that to happen. And so, you know, the city council in Fresno is going to be uh, debating the Fresno general plan in the next few months. And they have a committee that's been meeting over the last year or the better half of this last year to talk about how they might change the general plan um, that frankly, you know, I'm, I'm a, there's some things that are coming up that might be a little bit concerning. And at Fresno Land, what I want to do is help people understand, you know, when the developers are talking about proposing this policy, you know, decision, this is what it means in terms of your ability to have better services if you live in a South Fresno neighborhood and just make it like really clear and in mm-hmm. terms mm-hmm. so people know what their choices are. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I just feel like I just don't know. I'm like trying to like put myself in the shoes of like a regular, I mean, not regular, but just like uh, the average Fresden. I, I feel like when I put myself in that shoe, it's like, I don't know, they're just trying to go about their lives, you know, but like, cause we're mostly all of us, like, I feel like we're all kind of civically minded. Mm hmm. And like, sometimes we get in our heads of like, yeah, you know, if I care about this, I feel like other people should like, should automatically, but like, we come to find out like, oh, it's a lot harder for them to get to care. (laughs) It's like, please, 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 this is, this will affect you for reals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not, you're not, I think, I mean, in my, again, in my work prior to going into journalism, I knew a lot of people who were, who are like, very connected in the world of trying to change Fresno. And I'm you know, mm. very familiar with a lot of people who work in advocacy and um, urban development issues in Fresno. And of course, like they are the hyper, 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 hyper connected people, the hyper politicized people. Mm. But, you know, I think that, um, that yes, like maybe people don't want to show up at their city council meeting. Maybe they don't want to, um, you know, maybe get actively involved in the process, but it's amazing how, you know, Mills and Right encourages people, you know, maybe 150 people to mm-hmm. write their. Nope. In the Uh-oh. grand scheme of things, quite at all. Oop. You cut out that for a bit, but I hope, I hope the recording got that. Um, <laughs> Oh, can you hear us? Hello. Ooh, are you still there? Can you hear us, Danny? Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. It cut oh, out okay, for good. a second, but cut for I a second. Oh. And then again. Oh. And again, just now. But yes. No can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, um. Great. I okay. So I feel I feel like um you you touched on earlier though about how you guys also talked about like rent and the and sort of the crisis of um you know how COVID has displaced so many people from their jobs and uh, been unable to pay for things. So I think you guys are touching on a lot of the problems that like everyday people are you know not distracted by, but the things that occupy the most of their time. Cause I feel like a lot of people would be more civic minded if they could afford to live. Um, and I think those are also like right. those like sort of class and um, economic and poverty issues are also things you guys discuss, which is very heartening to me because I feel like a lot of that gets caught up in, you know, the daily grind of breaking news. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
And um, I, I actually, I actually read um, your guy's most recent newsletter that Dipna wrote um, called uh, Blackness, and and in it she kind of mentions that it can be kind of disheartening to cover this stuff because um, there's this feeling that the same thing will just keep happening with a different cast of characters, and um, because uh -huh. the people in power will feign interest for a time and then it'll die down. Do you ever feel like the the work you're doing will you know eventually kind of go unnoticed and that things won't you know activate and that uh people will ultimately just kind of be their interest will be washed away do you ever worry about that totally all the time um i feel like i'm going to be like a 70 year old woman um that's still harping on the same things i have <laughs> um same same <laughs> i'm gonna turn to a 70 year old woman at some point <laughs> i know i know um yeah i think i think the the one thing that I'm uh, how do I phrase this? Um, it is it can be really depressing, and I think from Dipa's perspective, you know, she has a longer perspective of time to give her that viewpoint, and so like, yeah, I'm sure I will be saying the same thing, you know, twenty to ten or twenty years from now. I I feel like in my I've seen myself evolve on a lot of issues. And so I feel like if I'm capable of evolution, other people are too. And um, I just think that, that stories are just a powerful way of shifting the narrative for people. And I know enough people mm -hmm. in Fresno who have started to kind of reframe the way that they think about issues that I think it's possible and, um, and I'm just not going to give up. And I think I have maybe because when I started out in my career as, you know, like a 21 year old urban planner, I thought I was going to change Fresno and I was going to be the one that was going to save it. And I had very <laughs> much a savior complex and it was very, you know, not a good thing. And, yeah. um, <laughs> as many savior complexes are. And, um, and I think I've, tempered that quite a bit and so I don't have I don't work under the illusion that at Fresno Land we're just going to magically explain everything and then all of a sudden you know 200 people are going to show up to a city council me meeting and the whole trajectory of you know Fresno politics is going to change I'm not at all I think under that pretension I just think it's a slow like daily chipping away at making sure that the narratives are you know being told in a way that centers people who are the most vulnerable, um, that explain the problems in a way that is not as charitable as we may have been in the past to people in power and institutions that really help people understand, you know, how these institutions work so that they can better influence them. And I enjoy, like, I, I've never loved a job as much as I love mm. my current one before. Mm. And I think that's like what makes it sustainable for me in the long term. Like, yeah, I might be saying the same things and just different rotating cast of characters at the city council, but I love what I do. And I hope that, yeah. you know, eventually something will change. No, 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 I'm still, okay. I'm actually, I'm still at the pretension that I could. Yeah, I was going to say, we're president. in the middle of that savior complex phase that you talked about. <laughs> we're still there. We're, God we're, ain't we're done with me yet. yet. So like this, <laughs> this, 
This ah! this newsletter is going to change everything. everything. For real. <laughs> it's going to change everything. No, but... But, but like, there, I do think that, you know, I am so... There's so many young people in Fresno right now that are just, like, kicking ass. Yes, on the, for sure. In a lot of different ways. And I'm, I've never seen that before. And I was, when I, when I was a kid, um, <laughs> it's so silly to say that, but when I was in my early twenties and living in Fresno, um, in like the, the like 2007, 2008, like there was a group of us who were like, we're going to be the ones that are going to save downtown. And everyone laughed at us and no one's going to save downtown. It's mm. gone forever. <laughs> and now like, because I really attribute the revitalization of what's happened downtown to Gen Z, like they mm. have been the ones that have figured out how to make it work. And yeah, I'm a millennial. We couldn't crack that nut, but Gen Z did. Um, so I'm just, I have a lot of optimism for, for the next generation. No, same. I, I, yeah, I remember when downtown was like, uh, not there. It was not a, not a thing. I mean, I think I went to like a show and like a bunch of like random shows there uh-huh. when I was like in 2012, 2011, it was like dead. And I remember early days of, uh, early days of, um, of art hop where it was like not as big, but now it's like super big. And it's just interesting to see that, like mm-hmm. ju- that, that growth in downtown. And I was like, like and what was that? Art, art hop used to be this like really not, it was not today. It is not recognizable from what it used to be. Yes. It used to be like literal wine and cheese mm. parties with. Yeah a different crowd at these really fancy art galleries or people's houses. Yeah. And now it's like alt queer like, culture. It's like so big. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which which we love here at Five Bow. And it's awesome. Yeah. It truly is awesome today. And I'm so happy it's that and not like my first art hop was at this really fancy house on Huntington Boulevard where people had wine and cheese. And I felt Whoa. so uncomfortable. <laughs> Although um, I do still love going, uh, the one place still does that. It's the radio station. Um, oh, Cajual? Yeah, Cajual. I do love popping in there for like just some <laughs> wine and cheese. I'm like, they got free wine. The, wine and, the wine and cheese isn't the problem. <laughs> it's, the, it's the people who like wine and cheese is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me be clear. I really like wine and cheese. The um. same. I also still pro wine and cheese here. But... But yeah, what, honey, what, what do you love about Fresno? Like, cause I feel like, cause I, I do like how Dari phrased it. Like Fresno seems like a black hole that no matter how much you want to leave it, it still keeps you coming back for some reason. Totally. And I still believe that. But what do you love about this city? Oh, I love it for so many reasons. Um, it is always surprising me. When I when I moved back here um, in 2013, um, I was so I had only left for like six years, but mm-hmm. I came back to find so many people who were in art and music and advocacy and um, you know being an, an engineer and and everyone was just like really mm-hmm. passionate passionate is not a word passionate about making Fresno a better city and 
I had never been surrounded by so many people that just were like ride or die Fresno Mm -hmm. people. And, um, and I just love that. Like, I feel like so many of us in Fresno have this like giant chip on our shoulder about Mm -hmm. living in Fresno. (laughs) And, and I just think that that's like one of the most endearing things about it. And, um, and it is, just so you know racially and ethnically and diverse and like the food is actually kind of amazing um it's just not like bougie you know you know michelin star restaurants it's a different type Mm -hmm. of restaurant but nevertheless still quite amazing so yeah yeah honestly it feels like it feels like sometimes i'm in like parks and rec for some reason just like yeah i'm like in that city i'm like well we're in that city Pawnee, right? Yeah. That's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, Pawnee. Yeah, I was yeah. like, especially yeah. going to those uh, to those city council meetings. I was like, okay, now I'm oh, feeling totally. now I'm feeling the real uh, t- TV show that we're in. What yep. you gonna say, Thomas? Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they didn't uh-huh. make that show up. That was that was pretty much a universal human experience. Uh, that was people in city councils. Uh, Ram just asked. I mean, oh, wow. is that a good question? I feel like. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to know. Yeah, how's how, it working, how with, Dip, working with Dip? Then? Oh my gosh, Dip is amazing. Um, I didn't know her at all before starting Fresno Land, and um, um, when we when we launched our editor position, Crescencio was like, "Oh, you need to talk to Dip," and um, and so we met her, and I was like, "This woman is amazing." And then Tommy, I read the story that you wrote about what was it called? I can't, you had such a good headline for it. Oh, um, the Garden of Reporters one. The, yes, the that was. I loved that. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, that was such a great a great piece about her, and I feel like it, it just explains her so well. And she's just so. First of all, she like works harder than anyone times five thousand. Um, <laughs> And, and she's just so gracious and encouraging. Like, she's just a really beautiful soul. So it's been wonderful. I, I think it was a mistake getting her back. <laughs> we, we taught her how, and she immediately started roasting Ram like 24 hours a day. She, she started. It's, it's wonderful. She completely, she just, I am like not replying to the tweet to her. She keeps, she keeps roasting me. And like I said, Dibna, I'm unemployed. And she's like, by choice. I'm like, don't do that. How did she even find out about that? Like, oh my God. Uh, well, I was tweeting about oh, it. Wow. I guess she reads my tweets. I was like, I'm I literally, my job today. there are things that I would and like I, that I have unliked because I'm like, oh, Dibna will see this. And I just wait, keep scrolling. So what will she say? Like, what was it like to to be her students and to, to work with her in the in the paper? Oh, oh my God. Well, OK, <laughs> she, she's like, she, t- yeah, to you me, she's like, story. she's like my mentor. Like, she's like a very important person to me. And when I went into it, I thought she was the scariest person. Have you ever seen The Devil Wears Prada? Yeah. Okay, so it was very much Miranda Priestly energy for me, um, and <laughs> I and meeting her, I was so intimidated, especially because I was at the time just like an English major, like fucking around, taking like one class that I thought would be fun, and it just like took over my whole life. Um, but she's always been um, a remarkably caring person uh, with a really striking point of view, um, mm-hmm. which I've always appreciated because. You know, I, I feel like I feel like I'm kind of like you because I would always want to like delve deep into these like sort of like 
uh, equity issues at the college. And then she'd be like, but what's the news, though? <laughs> and that yeah. was our constant and that was our constant back and forth um, uh-huh. all the time. Um, and it was it was worse with her and Ram. It was more volatile for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I love Dipna. Me and Dipna are great. Well, because I primarily worked as a photographer. Oh. Like I was mostly a photographer at the Rampage. I mean, I did write sometimes. And also, uh, then I became the layout editor of the paper. And, you know, me and Dipna butt heads all the time. Uh, because I love her. <laughs> She's just... She's like our mom, honestly. Student. That's how mom. that's how we think of her. She honestly, <laughs> she is my mom. But like, I have a very uh, divide. Uh, I don't know. I just like, I don't know. I just have a weird relationship with them now. I would just roast her, and she would roast me back. <laughs> yeah, she definitely doesn't hold back, but which I no. really appreciate. <laughs> she no, never. She does this thing where she's gonna. How does she does it, Tommy? Where she's gonna compliment you or? And then she insults you at the same time or criticizes you at the same time. It's a very dipna thing to do. But because she's so hard on you, when she does compliment you, you know it's like real Mm -hmm. and it hits differently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Nah, dude. When I I took her journalism three class, and that was like the hardest class I've ever done. Like, out of all my journalism classes, that's like the hardest thing. And honestly, it did teach me how to write uh, journalism, journalism mode. But yeah, she was cool. I loved it, though. I just, I just like. I thought it was so funny when she retired, just, and then the very next time I saw her, she was like, "Yeah, they're doing this Fresno Land thing. I don't know if I should do it." And I was like, "Do it. You're already bored. I can tell." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not they, taking credit or anything, but like, you're welcome. Well, <laughs> thank you. No, seriously, thank you, though. Um, yeah, she was like a dream gifted into our lap. So I was really, really, really mm. glad that she was interested in in working on the project. Uh, 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 how how did you guys how did you find all the other reporters? Because like, uh, how did that process um, go? And how, how are, are they, they doing? How Everyone's they doing great. So um, and you definitely need to talk to meet Monica and Diana at some point um, if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Yeah. So Monica came from the San Luis Obispo Tribune, which is a McClatchy in the McClatchy family. And so, um, we put, I mean, we posted the jobs, um, but Monica had a lot of interest in the project early on because she had been already reporting on water issues. She's a really, just a really great accountability reporter. And because of just the nature of how crazy water, um, is in the central Valley and the politics behind it and, um, just how complex it is. We really wanted a strong accountability reporter to take on that, that particular reporting beat. So she was a really clear fit for that. And, you know, she's just hit the ground running on a lot of the drinking water issues in particular, and has a huge passion for just making sure people are connected with the right resources so that they can actually drink their water. Um, so she's been great. And then Diana is interesting. Um, I was following her on Instagram and she has like, I don't know if you follow her on Instagram. She's a very, um, she's a very prolific, uh, what's the verb? Um, Instagrammer. I, (laughs) sure. (laughs) I don't think I've, I don't follow her on Instagram, but I do follow her on Instagram. If you have Instagram, Instagram you should definitely follow her. She's, she has a really great profile, but anyways, um, you know, we were looking for someone who, 
or I, I really wanted someone who was going to be able to connect to people in Fresno right off the ground. And I was really nervous about bringing in someone from out of town. And, you know, we had a lot of applicants from all over the U S um, we had a really great candidate that we interviewed that was based in Mexico city. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, having cred and Fresno just was felt paramount. And, um, and so she yeah. was a clear and easy, um, decision. So I'm so glad to have her. Like, I feel like she has a really good instinct for how stories are going to hit and, uh, and engagement. And she's just well, very, very, very well sourced. And yeah. Is she, oh, I wanted to ask, is she the one, uh, who, who does the social media for y'all? Cause I do it love is, the friends it is Diana social media. that does it like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that, I love all the videos and all that stuff. That's like, her. Yeah. She, awesome. she majored exactly. in, um, in multimedia journalism at Fresno state. I want to say, ah. so that's her background. Mm. No, she's definitely yeah, gonna be on she's the podcast great. at some point. Cause honestly, I, we just I want to interview all you guys. We're very fast. <laughs> we're very fascinated yeah, by every, Fresno. Literally literally lab, like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Big, big fans. Well, Do you, is there a name for Fresno Land yeah. Lab stands yet? Can we? <laughs> can, we can we name it? Yeah. Fresno Landers, great. I We're love the fir- it. Yes. Trailblazing. Yes. <laughs> Wait, how is the? Uh, did you guys? Do oh the yeah, I was going to ask you if you guys were interested in that program. or. Um, Maybe I, I, I applied yesterday. <laughs> oh, you did? So, yeah, I did. Because um, I, I was like going back and forth on it. Like, and the day after you guys posted it, Dipna texted me to do it. And I was like, to apply. And I was like, do you think I should? And she was like, yes. <laughs> but uh, over, te- over text, her affect is like very flat. So uh-huh. it's just sort of like, she'll just send things with like hard periods. And I'm just like, well, I guess I got to oh, do it. <laughs> so but I put it off. My I feel like I'm being insulted. Conversations really funny because yeah. she, yes, she has the effect, and then I have like many question marks and exclamation points and emojis after my text messages. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then she would never reply. But um, if you call her, she's so warm. It's yeah. the right. Thing. Totally. Absolutely. Oh yeah. But so much weird. of our work um in the pandemic is like on slack or text or gchat and yeah so it's it's an interesting um sorry documenters um yeah so we and i'm sort of repeating this for folks listening um so we have this program fresno land documenters we are in partnership with a a nonprofit newsroom in the chicago area called city bureau and they're they call themselves like a community journalism lab um, so they were kind of a lot of what we're doing at Frozenland, we're trying to copy City Bureau and at least some mm-hmm. of what they're doing. And mm-hmm. um, the, the idea is basically to train and pay people who already live in their neighborhoods and in their community to, to go and, and document and cover their own, you know, a lot of the meetings that don't normally get coverage by newspapers because there just isn't enough, you know, bandwidth by a lot of journalists on staff to be able to cover a lot of these mm-hmm. meetings. So what we're hoping to do, Dimpna's leaning the training side of this. And so we'll have like, I think it's six different one hour module trainings that people will have to go through on 
ethics and, you know, public meetings laws and um, the Brown Act and how to, you know, capture, you know, kind of take notes at a public meeting and what that might look like. So Dimna will lead that and then we'll pay people 20 dollars an hour for every meeting to go out to and what we're really trying to hit are a lot of the smaller cities that don't either have a newspaper or any media coverage that might be of interest Mm. to the stuff that we're doing at fresno land or if other b staff Mm. have interest in what they're producing um or there's like a a lot of subcommittee or commissions um, even within the city and county of fresno that are not covered. And so there's the planning commission and the housing and development commission. And um, sorry, I'm blanking on a few of the other commissions, but there's, there's, there's so there's many. so many and journalists don't have time to go there. So um, mm-hmm. we yep. would pay people and either they would get an assignment to live tweet the meeting, whatever it is. Um, and then that would be their responsibility or they'll get an assignment to document the meeting through just meeting notes and those will then be uploaded into like a shared website that anyone can access and the idea is that you know Mm. any media outlet organization can use that as the basis for future reporting so it's not going to be exclusive at all to the fresno land or the fresno b but we want and would encourage other I mean, if you guys want to do some reporting on something that happened at, you know, one of the meetings with the documenters, like we would encourage that. And we've talked to a few other community mm. media outlets about that. Um, so like open source reporting, oh. I guess. I don't, that's probably oh. not the right. Okay. That make, yeah. that, that, that doesn't make sense. It's just like, this is just the information yeah. we just gathered. Yeah. It. And you right, because a lot of a lot of these will. meetings like upload their oh. minutes, but they're not very accessible. Um, yeah, like those notes. So it'd be good to have a resource like that for people for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you know? Oh, I was gonna ask. Do you know the Twitter user Andy? Oh yeah, HS? Andy Hanson Smith. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah, Hanson Smith. Is that, is that, I didn't know what his last name was, but his uh, when he documents the uh, the city council meetings, it's like so long, but like. I usually depend on him to like what's going on. Oh, if totally I can't make same. It. So I hope I hope he. I think I he's. I think I talked to him about it because he, you know, it was kind of funny because he's been doing the live tweeting the city council meetings for gosh at least three years now. For a while. And so. Yeah, and does he just yeah. do it for himself? Like, yeah, I've never talked to him. Oh, the, really? I thought it was like is this no. guy like a journalist or something? Because how he does it is like he's like a perfect like candidate for citizen journalism like he's yeah. the guy oh uh, we should probably get him on the podcast yeah like, and andy's like but... he's a he's like a fixture of you know local community um mm-hmm. I, activism isn't the right term but he's just very engaged in a lot of mm-hmm, he's just there, perpetual yeah, he's presence. Just there everywhere but did you did you guys well you guys did an informational zoom yes. on like the 12th how many people turned um, out for that how was that 40 50 oh wow yeah Damn, i think as a, i haven't checked the latest applications and i'm glad tommy that you put your name in but i think we had the, over 50 people apply so far and you know we've said that we're trying to get a cohort of around 15 to 20 people um we're only limited really by funding at this point if if there's a more people mm-hmm. that want to go through it, I think we'll have to figure out how we work it through because we don't want to turn people down um, 
if they seem like a good fit for the documenters program. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to figure out how to make it work and get them, get them through. So yeah, we'll have to work through that on our end. It is open until September 1st. Oh, all right. Y'all just, well, this is just a plug anyways, like open still September 1st. Well, I'll put it in the description. Thank you. So people would know. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything um, else, Tommy? No, I I feel like I feel like we've really covered we've really covered a wide area here. Um, I guess I, I did want to ask like, yeah. what do you hate most about Fresno? I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna ask you that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess uh, I I guess um, when when you're when you're so is the goal with Fresno Land Lab like do do you want to create like a long term thing that like continues to exist after the philanthropy seating kind of like you know moves on like is is that a goal for you to have this be like a fixture of the community absolutely yeah no we're i'm i'm in this for the long haul um and i just am sort of knowingly and eyes wide open like i don't have the answers to how you sustainably make this work in the long haul. I think everyone is, I mean, as we talked about before, everyone's trying to figure that out right mm. now, but, um, I love doing this and I feel like it's a big need and I'm happy to have the pleasure to, to have this opportunity. So I'm going to use it while I have it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we're so excited to see how it progresses and we're already subscribed to the newsletter but thank you. The, but the girls. And I love what you guys oh. are doing too. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. We're totally. gonna collab at some point. Yeah. Fres- that <laughs> that would be X so cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to plug before we go? Um, no. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks Plugs. for having me, and uh, I'm excited to see who else comes on the podcast in the future. Oh, we have a. I'm working on an exclusive right now. Oh my god! I don't uh, want to talk about that. It's gonna come out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll tell you that. Wait, don't leave the call, but I will tell you what it was. <laughs> but for all of the listeners, guys, I got a banger of an episode two weeks from now, or maybe three weeks from now. I don't know when this is, when that will happen. But thank uh, you. But yeah, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you guys, Donnie, for being on. Um, guys uh plugs for the podcast or for ours please subscribe to the newsletter we are gonna be reformatting a little bit because i am unemployed so this is my only job now for better or for worse um so we're gonna do a bunch of other different stuff but please subscribe on 5x59.com subscribe to the podcast review it on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to on and do we have any follow us on Twitter and Instagram? Because I will be more active there now. A lot of stuff is gonna be coming out because yeah, yeah, I don't uh-huh. have a job we've, anymore, guys. I am unleashed. Hit, I am unchained. No more. We've chains hit that of point. I feel okay. Uh, so five by so that the handles five by five nine everywhere. Twitter, Instagram. Gotcha. At five by five nine, guys. You not guys are not ready. ready for this. And, and already the outro is starting. I know you're playing music right now. It's playing. <laughs> music is playing. But yeah, thank, thank you, you so to much. our guest, Donnie Bergstrom of Fresno Land. Thank you, thank you. And we'll see you on the next guys. episode.